At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Welcome to Healthcare Americana, coming to you from the Freedom Doc Studios. I am your host, Christopher Havig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. This is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We talk to innovative clinicians, policymakers, patients, caregivers, executives, and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. We take you behind the scenes with people across America that are putting patients first and restoring trust in American healthcare. In our past episodes, we've spent some time talking about financial literacy, and usually what that means to us is, all right, doc, what's your break-even number of patients? How do you even read a profit and loss statement? What goes on your balance sheet? Things that are really elementary when it comes to solo or small physician group practices. Today's guest is going to walk us through a whole entire tool set that can just skyrocket your financial literacy and do a lot of good for your business from the financial aspect of it. Please welcome Tim Huang, Chairman of the Board, Nitra. Tim, thanks for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Yeah, great to be on. Now, Nitra, um, kind of as I alluded to uh, in my introduction, I mean, you talk about this as a full-service financial institution, business analytics type of a service. Give us a quick little rundown of what Nitra is and how it can benefit physicians. Yeah, well, first of all, it's great to be on. Um, you know, I think that the way that we think of ourselves here at Nitra is that we are a comprehensive financial platform for independent practices and, and group practices. And so the place that I always start with whenever I talk to a physician uh, or practitioner and the like is, do you know every single cent that's coming in your practice and out of your practice. And 99 times out of 100 people will say, no, they don't. It's obviously hard enough to keep track of insurance and billing and patients, patient communication and so on and so forth. But then you get on the other side of the spectrum and you're, you're dealing with you know, your credit cards, you're dealing with interest payments on your loans, you're dealing with staffing changes, so on and so forth. And so what we try and do is we build all these different solutions that help practices to really understand everything that's going on financially within their institution. And then on top of that, we provide things like credit cards, loans, payments, and other tools that really enable physicians to get better control uh, over their practices overall. In our world, so a lot of physicians going out, uh, you know, leaving the hospital, which they have no exposure to anything that you just said within a hospital setting. You know, we really emphasize getting back into private practice, like you mentioned, independent small group practices. I might be wrong, and, and I might get a lot of emails about this, but most people relate to be like, okay, so what he just said is basically when I log on to QuickBooks and I can see all my numbers there. How do you react to that? Yeah, well, you know, I think QuickBooks gives you one element of accounting, right? I mean, that's sort of, you know, uh, some sense of um, your, you know, your P&L statement and so on and so forth. But most business operators, whether you're a restaurant owner or a big company executive or the like, they get really deep level KPIs, right? So, you know, if you're operating a restaurant, you know, you know what your most popular products are, you know how to price them, you know uh, what ingredients you're buying from what vendors you're using. You know, same thing goes for operating a pretty big company, right? I mean, it doesn't really change that much whether you're operating one restaurant or 
you know, 50,000 like a McDonald's or something. And so the reality is that the financial aspects of healthcare are very complicated. And I think everybody inherently knows that. But, you know, think, for instance, about the purchasing patterns, you know, for an independent practice. Do you purchase in advance of, of individual procedures? Do you purchase on a monthly basis? That, for instance, that one decision in and of itself, you know, will determine your free cash flow, you know, month to month or quarter to quarter. You know, you may have, you know, credit issues or staffing issues, whatever the case may be, if you don't really understand those types of metrics. And so, um, you know, I think that what we try and do is really provide that deep level uh, analytics and benchmarking that really customers are looking for to really help them, again, you know, get better control over their practices. What I love about Nitro is it brings more attention to the expense side. It drives me nuts, especially being in the direct care world, but most medical conversations, you pinpoint insurance, you pinpoint Medicare, you talk about reimbursements, you talk about the money coming in and the discounts and the rebates and all this stuff. And it's just funny money, but you hit the nail on the head. Be like, most people don't know where the dollars and cents are going. Leave the revenue side alone for a minute because that is confusing as hell. But from the expense side of it, so many businesses can just see their dollars just marching out the door. This is not the case with your system. Yeah, I mean, you know, for us, the long-term vision is to really build sort of a fully integrated, comprehensive solution. I mean, we're not there yet, but I think we will get there. And so imagine a world where, you know, your practice management software and your EHR, you know, link up directly to your inventory management and your staffing solution and or your real estate solution, right? And so you book a patient for a certain procedure a couple of weeks in advance. And then, you know, in advance of that procedure, you order all the necessary supplies, the necessary equipment, the staffing that's required, the outpatient centers, whatever they need to rent, all basically done automatically because it's been able to process the data that you have on an ongoing basis. And then from there, you can start to benchmark, right? So am I overspending or underspending on certain items, you know, relative to other practices of similar size or similar subspecialties of the like, are you able to sort of get to a place where, you know, you're able to identify a better vendor or a better way of doing things. And so for us, at least, you know, the mission really kind of comes through here, which is to really provide control over this data and analytics to our customers, really through use of, um, you know, really basic kind of tools and technology that have been leveraged in almost every every other uh, industry around the world. And where I want to go, you know, because Nitro is a new company, right? And, you know, Tim, you, you've led some very successful companies out there, some publicly traded companies, you know, the biggest of the big. What sets Nitra apart in your mind where you're like, you know what, I, I really need to go do this. And then as you're explaining why you're doing this and, and really where this came from, you know, I, I'm curious, who are you targeting out there for this type of a product? Yeah, so... um you know, as you mentioned, my co-founder and I, we've been in the trenches for sure, building technology companies. Jonathan, the CEO, and myself as a chairman, um, you know, we've been through multiple different iterations, right? So our first company, a company called Fiscal Note, we scaled up, took it public on the, on the New York Stock Exchange. And so for us, this is sort of um, a second time rodeo, if you will, in terms of looking at all the sort of uh, bits and pieces of running a technology company, growth company, and scaling it up. You know, first of all, I think despite being a new company, we've been very fortunate to um, have partnered up with a, a variety of different, you know, institutions like um, Andreessen Horowitz and NEA and others that sort of have, you know, backed the vision for the company and, and really see the potential for what we're building here. I think that as we've kind of gone out and started building Nitra, the areas that we've been very focused on are, I would say, growth in two aspects, right? So the first is um, independent practices that are just starting up for the first time that, you know, really need access to financial tools, to credit to financial platforms, benchmarking, to help them set up their practices for the first time. And a lot of times, you know, this is sort of like a, it's almost like voodoo magic, right? Like you, you're sort of sitting, 
in somebody else's practice for a while. And so you kind of get a sense for how things operate, but it's obviously very different when you jump out and do it yourself. And one of the biggest areas that I know um, a lot of folks kind of, you know, are a little bit hesitant about are the financial, the financial aspects, right? I mean, so people think a lot about, you know, how I generate cash flow and, you know, how to actually do the reimbursements. And, you know, that's certainly on the revenue side, but then on the expense side, it's hard to get a better sense of, you know, how to better operate your organization overall. And so that's sort of the first group of folks. Um, now it's the second group of folks who are, are folks who have been in private practice for a while and are thinking about whatever the next step is. You know, they're typically thinking about bringing on some other folks, um, you know, expanding their practice, expanding locations, um, you know, and so they're, they're thinking about sort of, you know, how do I get from point A to point B? And so that in of itself is even more opaque because, you know, even less people have done that. And so um, that, you know, a lot of right now is, is through word of mouth or through friends who sort of have done similar things in the past. But again, the financial literacy, the credit tools, the payments tools, the best technology platforms out there, the analytics tools that are out there are not you know readily and widely available. And so that's a sort of second group. And I think we're actually starting to move into sort of a third group, which is folks who are getting ready to sell their practices. Um, and so, you know, given the consolidation in the market, you know, around private equity and other, you know, players in the marketplace, if you've been operating your practice in a certain way, oftentimes maybe, you know, you've got a, a shoebox full of receipts in the back or something, um, you do need to upgrade the the financial literacy of the of the organization to get it ready for an exit. And so... Typically, that's you know a multi-year process that involves some level of digitalization, um, some automation, you know, some healthy financial processes and systems that you know we obviously work with a lot of practices to kind of get them into that third bucket overall. I appreciate the the rundown of it, and especially that third bucket when people talk about selling their practices and it, private equity is kind of a dirty word in medicine right now in healthcare. A lot of people pointing fingers at that and. You know, going back to fiscal notes where you, you help make government more approachable, I guess, and easier to communicate with constituents, you know, you're hitting a lot of the pain points that are that are exist in, in modern medicine right now. And so you probably saw it firsthand. And I think there's a lot of people out there who might be listening and saying, well, why in the hell, Tim, would you actually want to jump into healthcare, knowing that, uh, you know, in the PE world and in the government world? But my point is so many so many doctors, when they go out to sell their practice, they don't have a clue what you just said, right? They don't know that their valuation is based off of their earnings or their, you know, different ways to do it. They're just like, oh, I'm going to go sell it to a hospital and uh, just become an employee. Like, it, it, it's frustrating, I guess is what I'm going to say. Like, you hear a doctor talk about it and it's just, it's just frustrating. So they could take this tool and be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to plug this into my existing practice and it's going to basically do a lot of the work for me, a lot of the numbers for me so that I can get a fair valuation. Can I say that? Yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? And, and um, you know, look, doctors didn't become doctors to independently run businesses, right? I mean, they, they obviously care a lot of, uh, about, you know, seeing patients and delivering care to the highest quality and so on and so forth. So, uh, but I do think that, you know, there's a time and a place to think about, you know, a practice as a business. You know, what are the revenues? What are the expenses? How do I optimize the expenses, you know? Um, how do I generate as much profit as possible? Forget the exit thing for a second. You know, a lot of doctors run their own independent practices. And, and the reality is that the cash that's generated at the end of the month, the money that's left over after you generate revenue minus expenses is your take-home pay. And so if anything, just for your own lifestyle, you know, you need to understand, you know, the ins and outs of your business. Um, and so, 
you know, if you, for instance, have a high level of scrutiny on your home expenses, right? You know, um, how much what your mortgage is and how much you spend on groceries, so on and so forth. At a bare minimum, you should apply the same level of scrutiny to your workplace and to your business. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think our platform, um, you know, really provides that level of digitalization people are looking for overall. Tim, we're going to take a quick break, and then I want to dive in a little bit uh, to your past, your motivation, how you got here, what it really inspires you. First, just a quick message from our sponsor, Freedom Doc. Physician burnout is a killer. It is driving our best and brightest out of the medicine. The only solution to burnout is to be your own boss. The easiest way to be your own boss is to join the Freedom Doc Physician Network. Freedom Doc is a unified consumer brand and will fully finance your practice so you can enjoy a healthier lifestyle take better care of patients, and spend more time with your family. You focus on patients, Freedom Doc focuses on your business. So if you're ready to be your own boss, visit our website, freedomdoc.care, to learn more and schedule a consultation with one of our experts. Freedom Doc, accessible concierge healthcare. Now back to regular scheduled programming here, talking with Tim Huang, chairman of the board with Nitra. Tim, we spent a lot of time, you know, in the first part of this episode talking about what Nitra is, how it can help out with really financial literacy, knowing the health of your business financially. I love your point that you just made right before the break about saying, you know, if you stress over family finances, you need to be applying that same amount of scrutiny to your business. I want to kind of step back in time. You know, we talked about this, like healthcare is not one of those industries where people like, wow, I, I can't wait to go into healthcare. It's a fifth year economy. And I just beat my head against the wall because people are so entrenched in the way that things are done and not a lot of people want to change. And there's a lot of consolidation and control. Why in the world did you decide to jump out and start Nitra? Well, you know, um, for 10 years, uh, my co-founder and I, we ran Fiscal Note. And, you know, uh, basically we were applying artificial intelligence into the legal and regulatory space. And so, you can imagine that, you know, our biggest customers were, you know, law firms, government agencies, you know, big companies and the like. We built the company up, you know, a couple hundred employees, you know, publicly traded um, on the New York Stock Exchange and, and, and whatnot. You know, and the funny thing is one of the largest um, customer segments that we have in the company was uh, healthcare and pharma. And so, you know, you'd sort of see the, the intricate levels of regulatory decision making that would drive, you know, actual business outcomes and the like. And so we did, we did a pretty deep dive and um, we were trying to think about you know, all the different lessons that we had learned from building a sort of verticalized software business and where we felt like the biggest opportunity was, um, you know, to provide, frankly, uh, the most potential for change in society. And we were looking pretty closely at actually, frankly, a bunch of different industries from you know, manufacturing to energy to um, agriculture and so on and so forth. And, you know, really settled on the independent practice uh, kind of segment of uh, healthcare delivery. And we felt like there was frankly, um, a lot of opportunity for digitalization um, and optimization, you know, in that space. And I have this phrase that I have in my office, um, uh, which is that, uh, you know, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed yet. And so, you know, the reality is that the tools and technology that we're bringing to the market are not, you know, terribly novel, I would say. Um, you know, they've been applied, you know, rigorously in other, uh, other business areas and other industries. But, you know, in this particular part of the market, we felt like we have the expertise and the capabilities to really provide um, the tooling and then the sort of uh, technology to really make a difference in, in this industry. 
Again, I like the concept. I'm a big fan of, of lot, what you're saying here, but you know, taking existing technologies and moving more par- or more sideways and finding new applications for them, we see successful examples of that throughout history. I mean, hell, the Nintendo Game Boy is like the number one thing of taking what is really you know antiquated technology and repurposing it, and, and here you go. So, point is, like, we can take lessons learned outside of healthcare and bring them into healthcare because a lot of times. The entrenched people in, in, in within healthcare look at you and be like, oh, you're an outsider. You don't know. You haven't cut your teeth on this kind of stuff yet. And a lot of people just aren't open to listening to innovative approaches. What are some of the biggest challenges, kind of the stuff that surprised you the most about moving into this industry that you're like, wow, I, I never thought I'd actually have that conversation with somebody? You know, I, I think that um, everyone says that healthcare is, you know, a hard market, but, you know, I, you know, <laughs> we spent the last 10 years in, in the legal market, you know, so it's uh, not, not terribly, <laughs> terribly different. Doctors and lawyers, man. God love you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sim- similar dynamics, right? A lot of consolidation with big law firms and, you know, independent solo practitioners that are out there that are kind of fending for themselves and lawyers that are very focused on practicing law, but maybe don't have you know, the best sort of business tools to, you know, do case management and so on and so forth. And so, um, there's actually a lot of parallels from the legal industry, uh, but I think that in the healthcare market, I, I don't know if there's anything that's particularly surprising. I think if there's anything that's surprising, it's probably that a lot of things are kind of a head scratcher in terms of why they're constructed in a certain way, you know. And so, you know, not not to knock any part of the, the healthcare delivery chain or anything, but you know, if you just you know go down the rabbit hole of how pharmaceuticals are manufactured and distributed and sold, you know, in, in the United States, it's wild why the system exists um, with so many different entrenched players and the like. And so I think that in our case, um, we've seen similar dynamics in medical supplies and surgical equipment and, you know, staffing and so on and so forth that, you know, not to sound trite, but it almost seems like, um, you know, very low hanging fruit, you know, from somebody who's sort of looking at things from a sort of broader business perspective. What has been surprising, I would say, is I've actually been pleasantly surprised at the, the level of willingness by practitioners um, and providers to kind of learn the financial uh, aspects of running their operations. And I do think that some of that dynamic is driven by the consolidation in, you know, by private equity or by larger practices and the like. And so that dynamic, I think, has driven a lot of independent practices to, to think more holistically about their businesses. And that, I think, has been really interesting to, to listen to. Do you ever encounter when you talk to doctors this this kind of mindset that it's not okay to talk about profits and they kind of feel bad that they're earning money off of helping people? No, I, I think that that's that's kind of shifted. Um, and I, I think it's a post-COVID thing, to be honest. And, you know, I think most people, particularly post-COVID uh, in terms of thinking about how to run efficient operation, have seen their operations stretched to the max, right? In, in terms of capacity or staffing or, or, or other areas. And so, Maybe it was in the past for several decades that people could sort of run their operations like fairly simplistically and do that, you know, year after year after year. But then there was like this mass event that sort of forced everyone to the brink and to think you know, very critically about, for instance, like, am I truly delivering the right experience with patient communications as an example, right? So am I doing the right thing to, for patients if I'm literally like waiting to pick up the phone and give them a call versus, you know, meeting them where they are, which is maybe on their mobile devices or on their emails or whatever the case may be, Right. Same thing goes for expense management and actual operations of a practice where, again, you know, staffing is a good example of this. Like we have a, a staffing solution that we're launching um, in about a month or so here that, you know, gives, you know, 360 staffing analytics and the like for independent practices. 
you know, to be stretched to the max, in, um, you know, in terms of contract workers or whatever the case may be, that that has been very, very challenging, obviously. And so people do realize that they need to upgrade their day-to-day operations. And I think that that's been a big motivator for folks going to come to the table. Since you brought up staffing, I, I wasn't going to go there, but um, yeah, kind of kind of cool peek behind the curtain there. What do you see on the staffing side of it? Because I've heard a lot of different things. You know, I've heard that uh, we have nursing shortages and hospital shortages because of childcare and, and nurses are usually predominantly female and they have to take care of the kids at home and they like the flexible work schedule rather than being, you know, at, at the mercy of a hospital staffer. What are you seeing from your end going into this um, particular uh, business segment? Well, I think that there's definitely a staffing shortage, but not, not only in, in nurses, but also in just even administrative folks, right? And so the folks that are that have the experience and the capacity to deal with insurance companies and to run independent practices and, and, and the like. And so my perspective on this is that the shortages, um, there's certainly a, a structural shortage in terms of what people need versus what is available out there for hiring. But I think that there's all, there also exists a sort of efficiency shortage in the sense that if there are certain things that people are underutilized or overutilized for, um, there's opportunities for you to staff independent practices appropriately or share resources with other practices or sort of find opportunities for folks to kind of utilize their time in the best way. That's, that's going to exist in any market, you know, any labor market in general. But the reality is that, you know, without existing tools for people to look at stuff like that, it's actually very difficult. Um, and so you may have paid for someone to, to come in on a part-time basis if you didn't really need that person. Um, and so, you know, when you're in a broader labor shortage, what that means is that you're taking that resource away from another practice or from another hospital, whatever the case may be. And so um, I do think that the, um, the, the, it is a very solvable problem, and it's really just a, a function of getting you know, analytics in the hands of people at the end of the day. I think you're the only person I've heard talk about a lack of administrators on the on the healthcare side of things. Most people are like, "Oh my gosh, what are these people doing?" Because doctors are the earners, and everybody else is just sitting there with fancy titles. So I love counter opinions, and that's how we actually learn about things. Taking that and diving in a little deeper, Tim. Uh, as we wrap up the episode here, you know, whenever we talk about physicians and new systems and things that they could use, how does your system? enable them to take better care of their patients? Well, I think, you know, a lot of people say this, but um, I think it comes down to time. And so time is the most valuable resource that anybody has, especially a physician. Um, You've trained for years and years and years to be an expert at something. And so every minute that you're spending, you know, obsessing over, you know, this particular expense or this particular way of staffing or this particular real estate issue, whatever the case is, is a minute that you're not spending seeing patients. Um, and I think that's a waste and a drain on society, uh, to be frank. <laughs> and so my hope is that, you know, for Nitra in, you know, five, 10 or 15 years that we've been able to deliver the solution where frankly, um, it's, it's complete turnkey. You walk into a practice day one, you turnkey, login, password, everything is set up. Your banks, your, your loans, your credit cards. Uh, we've even populated all of the recurring, you know, surgical equipment or medical equipment that you need on, on an ongoing basis linked up straight up to your practice management and your EHR systems. And so ready to go fully digital in control of your finances. And, you know, you basically have as much control, if not more control over your, your practice finances than you do at home. And I think we'll get there. Um, you know, obviously the company's very new uh, and we're, we're still feeling our way through the market as we are with any new business. But that's really our hope is to really make it easy for people to, to deliver care for patients at the end of the day. 
I think financial literacy, especially in healthcare and medicine, is is all too important. Even like you said, you know, a few minutes ago, especially coming out of COVID, where people are like, "Oh my gosh, there's so many lives affected by you know economic factors, fin- you know, revenues, expenses, shutdowns," that they're going to start paying attention to those dollars and cents and where they're going. And is that the best use of resources in a limited resource world that we do live in? Tim, last question for you. I want to go with like healthcare czar for a day, right? You got a magic wand. You're like, poof, I'm going to fix all healthcare's problems in the United States. What do you do? How do you do it? Is that is that like a policy question or I guess like, <laughs> is it getting pretty political, right? <laughs> you, you're, you're the healthcare czar with the magic wand, man. This is, this is up to you. Well, I think that, um, I mean, I think that the most immediate thing is, is solving staffing shortages and creating, you know, career pathways for particularly nurses and support kind of individuals, you know, around independent practices is something that would have an immediate effect on, on the entire industry. Um, obviously, that's not like complete transformational, but I feel like if I could change one thing and not like, you know, that's, I, I, I won't even get into insurance or PBMs or like <laughs> the, the funky way that GPOs operate and the like, but, but I think that, you know, that that one thing would definitely make a huge change for sure. I like that. Bringing in new people, right? Attracting more nurses, like you said. But I mean, why not doctors? Why not make it more attractive for doctors to get into medicine? We talk about we hear about shortages all the time, up and down the entire provider spectrum. Well, I mean, I think I mean, I, it's the same the same thing with either nurses or doctors alike. But I, I also hope that um, maybe this is a little bit selfish, but uh, I hope that there are better ways and more easier ways of implementing technology across the entire industry. And I think you know, they're, they're all the way down to, you know, data systems and interoperability and, and other kind of elements that really drive the difficulty for innovators to come into the market and provide that component. And so it goes back to what I was saying before, which is um, part of it is like a pure plate people problem, for sure. We need, we definitely need more doctors and nurses. But part of it is also, let's bring in, you know, automation, let's bring in AI, let's bring in business analytics, you know, cloud-based tools, you know, that help take the existing people that we have already today in the market and make them more efficient. And so it's sort of, you know, those are the two things that I think a lot about on a day-to-day basis. Okay. So last question here, is it time to retire the fax machine? <laughs> well, I think the fax machine will die a slow and painful death over, you know, 20 or 30 years. But, you know, it's, it's, I, I was, I was actually reading the news the other day and I saw, um, maybe it was like a, a M&A transaction for Lotus Notes. Um, and I was like, I don't even know people use Lotus Notes anymore. <laughs> but, you know, like wow. some of these things, like they just have a very hard way of, of dying, I guess. But, you know, it, we'll, we'll get there eventually. The fax machine is usually the butt of all jokes when it comes to healthcare technology. It's like, hey, it's healthcare. We still use fax machines in a very prominent way. So <laughs> usually the butt of all the jokes there. Tim, thank you so much for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Great to be on. It's Tim Huang, Chairman of the Board, NITRA. And that is going to do it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this show on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com to catch previous episodes. Subscribe to our mailing list and visit our online store. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all of our episodes. Visit the shop and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced and managed by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. 
Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.